0: Okay, listen. This whole gospel boils down to the simplicity of it. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, it'll ne- you'll never get it. And since you are children, let's get it. If, if I could have known what I know now, when I was your age, the whole world would be upside down. I'm really not kidding. Like, uh, it's ridiculous what God wants to do. He wants to do in and through us. He wants to accomplish His good pleasure. He, it's His will. He wants to will and to do in and through us as the body of Christ. He wants to use you as the hands and as the feet. He wants us to, he wants us to walk in purity so there's no junk in our closet. We don't need a move of God that gets the fingers. We're going to get fingers pointed at us anyway. There's all kinds of accusations all the time. People accuse me of things all the time. But my conscience is clear. My my heart is pure. My hands are clean. I don't have issues. I don't have junk. So when someone accuses me, it has nothing to do with me. It's an accusation. The enemy will accuse you on a constant basis. And that's why we keep our hearts pure. That's why we keep our hands clean. That's why we stay pure in our life. So that when accusations come, it can't stick. When you get convicted of who God says you are, See, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, it would be good for you to camp in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 and live there for a long time. It's where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit more than ever, right there. It's concentrated chapters, and John was written by a disciple named John, right? The Gospel of John. John also wrote Revelation, the book of Revelation, where he was on the Isle of Patmos, he wrote the book of Revelation, John was a disciple that knew that he was the one that Jesus loved. Out of all the disciples, John the beloved, John the one that knew that Jesus loved him. That's who I want to be. That's who I am. I'm a disciple that I know that Jesus loves me. I'm loved by him. It's different saying, you know, yeah, of course God loves me. No, it's different knowing that God loves you. The difference between knowing that God loves you and that you're being actively loved by God is a relationship. And that's where it's at. And that relationship is through the Holy Spirit. He's the one. He's not scary. He's amazing. Look, last night when I shared testimony and I shared my heart, it's not me trying to talk you into something. It's the Holy Spirit convicting the heart. He brings conviction. Because he, see the things that, like when you come and repent, repent means change the way you think. And in God's eyes, and in God's heart, the Father's heart, when you say, God forgive me. It was horrible. I don't want this. God says, finished. The devil says to be continued. If we don't have faith in God's ability to forgive us, we'll be automatically consumed with the devil's ability to deceive us. There is nothing else out there on the planet that can wash you clean other than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the only thing. There is nothing else. You know, as I travel all around the world, one of my my biggest heart cries is for the body of Christ to step into the simplicity of the gospel the simple cross the simple message of the message of the cross when jesus paid the price for your sin when you come and when you get born again it says all of you who are weary and burdened down and weighed down by life all of you who are weighed down Come to me, he says, all of you that work to exhaustion, you don't have to be an adult and be 50 years old or 40 years old or whatever to be in exhaustion. All you have to be is alive and let the world come and keep pounding you and pounding you and pounding you. Performance, 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 school, grades, all kinds of stuff. Oh my gosh, baseball, did I do good enough? All that stuff, it's exhaustion. And your brain is trying to figure it out, but your brain is like, and it's trying to be strong and you're trying to be like the best that you can be. It's all performance. It's all set up to destroy you. All of it is set up to destroy you, even baseball. No, it's not. It's a cool game. It is. But if you live to be the star player, let's say you make it to the pros, man. Let's say you make it big time. And let's say you're like number one baseball player of the world. It's only for a few years and it's over, man. So now you build your whole identity in this baseball career, your whole life performance to be the best that you can be, the best that you can be, the best that you can be. And then one day you're going to retire. And then all of a sudden you were the best, but now someone else is better than you because there's always someone better than you that's coming behind you. And so all of a sudden the guy that like your worst nightmare, the thing that you feared the most, just like Job, the thing that you feared the most came upon you. What? I lost my career. Man I had an encounter with a baseball player, he's an amazing, amazing catcher. I'm not going to say what team, but he was just amazing, and I met him. Um, I, I know another guy that's on the team, and I was like, hey man, how you doing? He goes, did you see me play today? I go, yeah, you're really good. He goes, no, 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 did you see, do you, do you know what my batting average is? I go, yeah, it's really good. So I don't know anything about baseball, man. But I know it's really good. He's a pro, so it has to be good or he wouldn't be on the team and he wouldn't be starting, right? Yeah, he goes, you know what? Every day man, every day I have these nightmares. See man, it's not all about like making it big. See if it's all about making it big, you're let down before you even start. And everybody shoots for the, I want to be the best. It's not wrong to want to be the best. It's wrong to let that be your identity. So now this guy's looking at me saying, he's got the, dude he's got, I mean, we're talking salary of salaries. Like huge, huge money. Like banked money. All this stuff. Do you know that 78% of baseball players that are professional, within 2 years they're divorced, they're depressed, they're hooked on drugs, they're hooked on alcohol. Do you understand that it's like, it's not the best thing. So like, they don't understand that stuff, but they're going through it. they're performing and they're the best of the best of the best of the best. And within a couple of years after they retire, it's all gone. They have all these houses and all these different things. And they've built this huge kingdom that they can't support. Because they built their life on money. Because honestly, in the world, to be the best is to be the highest paid. And the highest paid is a slow burn, buddy. Are you guys hearing me? The Bible doesn't say set your mind on careers above. Doesn't say set your set your eyes on being the best that everybody can praise you. See, this is man, my life. I get to travel and I get to preach the gospel. I get on planes. I have my, my guitar on me, and people are like, "Wow, that guy must be a rock star." So at least he my dreads, you know, goes together. Dreads, guitar. Who is he? And plus we did the movie with corn, so they're like, Oh, I saw you on TV, bro. <laughs> they don't know. When I walk through TSA, they're like, hey, man, you got your guitar? You you gotta play a song for us, man. They're thinking I'm some kind of rock star. I'm like, for real? Yeah, yeah. No, you come through my line. You have to play. I go, Are you sure? They said, Yeah, you gotta play. And and she goes, He's the boss. If he says it, you have to do it. I said, It's 7 30 in the morning. And it's packed with people. Are you positive? Yeah. Okay. But you got to promise that when I start, you, you can't stop me. Let me play the song. It's okay. All right. It's okay. All right. Right here? Yeah, right where the metal table, where all the bags come out. Of the machine. All right. I'm like, whoa, Jesus, let it rip. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, said, I could do it. It's really dangerous to let this thing go to your head. And in the gospel, it's way more dangerous. See God wants to equip you with power. With power beyond anything you've ever seen. But all of a sudden when power comes, it it has this way of making you think that you're something when really you're nothing. It says, the Bible says, just let me scripturally validate that, it says if anybody thinks that he's something, he's really nothing. It says that some sow, some water, God brings the increase. You do not bring the increase. God does. Yet God wants to use your hands, He wants to use your feet, He wants to use your lips, He wants to use your eyes, He he definitely wants to use your eyes. So that your eyes are focused on things that are eternal, instead of things that are temporary. He wants you to see things like He sees. He wants your mind to be filled with the reality of heaven. He wants you to think like heaven thinks. Are you guys hearing me? How many of you would like to have healing, the prophetic, words of knowledge, all the miracles and everything flow through your life on a constant basis? All right. The most dangerous place to be is with the power of God. It is. It's it's dangerous. Do you know that the disciples, they healed the sick. They did what Jesus said. Do you know that they weren't even saved? Do you know that they did miracles and it was ridiculous? Jesus gives these fishermen authority. And he's like, here you go, guys. Go out there and do it. And they're out there healing people, they're out there, I mean, I'm talking ridiculous stuff. They come back and like, wow, Jesus, you should have seen it! (laughs) Devils are, man, they just just run away, this is awesome. Look at what we did. Jesus like, whoa, 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 slow down, guys. Come on, how about the disciples that have all this power? Do you remember James and John, the, the sons of thunder? Right? The two guys, the two brothers, they're like sons of thunder. They were named that for a purpose. They were fishermen, but they were named the sons of thunder. These guys, they go to the, this town, resists Jesus. And The town resists, and they're like, you know what? We know the story of Elijah. Come on, let's go get the king. This is it. Hey, Jesus, listen. They said no, and that's not cool. Elijah called down fire, 450 prophets, come on, they were all, let us burn them all. (laughs) They've got power, and they want to kill everybody. These are disciples that Jesus is like, go, heal the world. And the disciples come back and say, they resisted, let's kill them. That's not okay, and if this thing goes to your head, that's what you'll want to do. If this thing goes to your head, and you're in a mall, and you're praying for people, and security goes to take you out of the mall, you might fight them and say, I have the right. Boy, that would be scary. Why not just walk with them? Get a word of knowledge on your way out. Hey, I just, I just want to say I'm sorry, God, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I didn't mean to offend No, you just have to leave. You're not allowed to pray for anybody. Okay. Well, you got pain in your right shoulder right now, so as we're walking, I'm just going to pray for you, okay? I don't care what you do, but you're leaving. In the name of Jesus, right shoulder be healed. What did you do? Otherwise, if I try to tell them, no, you listen to me, I have authority, because it went to your head. Let's say you're a student. Let's say you're somebody like I was. Like when I grew up, I was somebody that nobody noticed. I was somebody, when I was a kid, when I was going through school, when I was going through elementary school and grade school and all that stuff, nobody noticed me and everybody picked on me. I was a very heavy kid. I was really heavy. So everybody called me all the names and they were really mean. And man, it it hurt my feelings. I was angry. I was mad. And so man, what if you have that mindset as a kid and then God gives you authority and power? I'll show them. Oh, it's the wrong attitude. You know what that is? That's the attitude of an orphan. And so the disciples were orphans and they didn't know who they were because they didn't know who their dad was. These are fishermen. They're like amazingly bold at fishing, they know what they're doing at the fishing game. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They had no idea what he was talking about. Like, I know how to bait the hook, I know how to. I know how to fish. I know how to throw the net. I mean, I, I know how to. But you're saying fish, men? How am I going to throw the net with men? Like, this is crazy. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to have to, like, just listen to me. They followed Jesus around everywhere. Like, what would it have been like for Jesus, for the disciples, to watch Jesus? What would it have, have been like for Jesus to be like, like, okay, they go across and they sit and they're in the middle of this like lake, that it's not a little couple of waves, it's like huge waves, and they're going to die, and they're petrified, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. They they were petrified and said, it's a ghost! Jesus says, don't be afraid. That would make me more afraid. (laughs) How about Peter? Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter sees Jesus. But he doesn't know if it it really is, because he says, Lord, if it's really you. Jesus, don't be afraid. It is I. Lord, well, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. Peter's like, okay. And then he looks at life, pounded. This is amazing to me. I read the Gospels and it blows me away, and I look at the disciples and it blows me away that Jesus wanted to use these guys. Like they had no qualifications. They weren't the most qualified, they were just willing. They were fishing. He's like, come follow me. Leave your dad. Let's go. (laughs) Bye, dad. That's crazy. Are you with me? This is amazing. God wants to use you. The only qualification is that you want to. That's it. The second qualification is you on your knees. And you getting inside of the book and asking God to reveal this truth to you. See you can walk in power and you can walk in authority and you can walk without understanding who you are. And it's a slow burn and you become top heavy. And then all of a sudden it's all about you and what you can do. Because people will praise you and stroke you and pet you. Man, I get it all the time and it doesn't go to my head because Jesus has my heart. You have to see this, and you have to get it. I love equipping people with power. I want them them to have power, but I want them to have purity. I want them to have the reality of relationship more than anything. I love the miracles. I I love that I can go somewhere and watch God just flow and touch people, but I love that I wake up right with God every day. Every day of my life, I wake up right with God. I've been right with Him for 13 years straight. I wake up right with God, like like I've woke up in love with God every day of my life for 13 years. It's powerful. We have to determine to never allow sin against us to produce sin within us. You can't do that with your head, and you can't say You can't do it because you're saying, I'm not going to be offended, I'm not going to be hurt, they're not going to hurt me, they're not going to hurt me. You will be hurt. No. It's God, I want to be just like Jesus. God help me. It's on your knees. Father help me live like Philippians 2 says, help me consider others as greater than myself. God I thank you, Jesus, even though he had equality with God, he considered himself of no reputation, but he humbled himself, became a bondservant just like me. God I thank you that Jesus modeled the lifestyle that I can live. Father I thank you that I lack wisdom and I need wisdom, God give me wisdom. The wisdom of the world is sensual and demonic, it's full of self-seeking and envy and you do not need self-seeking and envy. It's sensual and it's demonic and it's led by feelings. And it says that every evil thing is in there. Not some evil things, every evil thing is in there. So you have to drop the wisdom of the world, the wisdom, the way that seems right to a man. That wisdom is sensual. That wisdom of, of it's of this world, and it is demonic, and it's set up to hurt you. Here's the wisdom of the world. Gotta look out for number one, man. Demonic strategy. Selfish. It's not selfish to press into God for more of Him, because you can have as much of God as you want. And it's not less of you and more of Him. It's not. It's all of you covered with all of Him. It's it's not less of you. John the Baptist said, oh, I must decrease and He must increase. It wasn't, John, John the Baptist was saying the closing out of the Old Testament was coming. The closing out. I and the law must decrease and Jesus' righteousness and truth must increase. It was a completely new covenant coming. The old covenant, you had to do as much as you possibly could in order to be right with God. And it was impossible and people flew flat on their face. There was nothing to do. There was no way to be right. No way. There was no way to attain righteousness unless you lived perfect all the days of your life and never missed one. You walk this tightrope of the law 613 laws and 10 commandments every day. Perfect. Don't miss any. Because if I miss one, I transgress them all. It's not okay for you to think that you can get in that way because you can't. You can't. It's called self righteousness. I'm doing pretty good myself. No, it's self righteousness, it's filthy rags. It's twisted tragedy. Here's another self-righteousness. Well, man, you were a drug addict for 22 years, and you really were really messed up, man. Reason why you love so much is because, like, how much of a sinner you were, bro. I grew up in church, man. It's no wonder you're like that. Man, you have just put yourself into self-righteousness. What does that mean? That means I was worse than you. You missed it just like I did. I don't care if you grew up in church and you only lied once, you missed 613 Laws and Ten Commandments, you're equally as twisted as I was. And half the problem isn't that, actually most of the problem isn't even that. Here's the problem. See, when I got born again, when I got saved, the reality of the cross hit my heart. And God said, it is finished, never look back. And He took my sin, and He removed it as far as the east is from the west. And when you go east in a world that's a circle, you never hit west. God took my sin and my lawless deeds. Last night when you repented, God took your trash. He took the junk. He took the sexual immorality. He took the addiction to pornography. He took the twisted junk and he threw it into a sea that he named forgetfulness. See but to a lot of the body of Christ it's theory and we're going to have to work on this and eventually it will all go. What if it's not theory? What if we just don't believe in the power of the blood of Jesus? That is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. This is where we stay. This is where we live. We don't go outside of here. Righteousness is the reality of having right standing with God. In order for you to have right standing with God in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, we're not in the Old Covenant, we're in a New. God didn't take the Old Covenant and cut it out of the book, or you'd only have the New Testament. No, the old covenant's still there. It's still there. It's still available. As a matter of fact, God sums it up into two laws in the New Testament, and He says, when you obey these two laws, all the law and all the prophets dangle beneath them, and they're held on right there. Why? Because when I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, when I do that, my hand can no longer cause me to sin. Why? Because when's the last time your hand told your mind what it was doing? I'm going to go steal this. No, you're not. Yes, I am. (laughs) That's so whacked. How can your eye cause you to sin without your mind premeditating it? The issue is here. Here's the issue. It says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove or approve what is the will of God and what is not the will of God. And it all hinges on you knowing what it means to be right with God. Because when you're right with God, you know that God is for you. Who can be against you? The only one is the devil, and who cares? He's beneath you. But the stranger's voice is always talking, he's always whispering, and he wants to grab your attention. And it's unfortunate that a large majority of the body of Christ, and I'm not saying everybody, I'm saying a large majority doesn't know the difference between the stranger's voice and the father's voice. And you need to know the shepherd's voice because it's a command to not follow the strangers. And so what we've done is we've pressed into... Well, well, I grew up in legalism, or I grew up this way, or I, I, just, I didn't know the Spirit was available, now I know the Holy Spirit, so we become spiritual, but with no truth. Or we grow up in legalism, we got all the truth in the world, but it's logos, it's not rain, my God didn't breathe on it, and we're trying to walk it out in our own strength. Failure each way. Because when I'm so super spiritual, and I, can, and I can walk in power, and I can prophesy, and I can heal the sick, I can still prophesy and sleep with some other woman. Because your gift will make room for you, but the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, and repentance isn't just a one-time thing. There's a movement out there that says you don't need to repent. Hey, when you try to repent twice, you're just in lack of faith. No, you're wrong. It's called obeying your conviction. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, you immediately obey. You don't hesitate, you don't wait. When He convicts you, you step in and say, yes God, here I am, and you find out what God said about you, and you don't deviate from truth. I don't care who's looking at you. I don't care who's telling you whatever. You are responsible for your own faith. You can't ride on your parents' faith. You can't ride on your youth pastor's faith. You can't ride on anybody's faith. Your pastor is not meant to keep you saved. You have to have intimacy and relationship with God. You have to press into the truth of what the Word says. Don't say, I'm young and I don't understand. That is a lie from hell. Satan wants to blind you from the truth. He wants you to know, God wants you to know what he paid a price for. He wants you to know the power of the blood of Jesus. What does the blood do? It actually doesn't cleanse me just externally. See, in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement, when they went there into the high, into the, well, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he went beyond the veil. I know we hear that. People sing songs about the veil. You need to know what the veil was. The veil was what separated man from God and a high priest would go in there once a year and they would offer the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer for the sprinkling of the unclean. They would offer and the the priest would sprinkle blood. They would offer every family would come up with blood from an animal and it was just to atone for sin but it says the way into the holy of holies, the true holy of holies in heaven, it wasn't happening yet. So this was an earthly temple, an earthly tabernacle set up until Jesus came that's why it tore in two and the temple cracked. (laughs) When Jesus did what he did, it wasn't about you going through a high priest here. People hear that and they're like, that doesn't mean, that means I don't need a, a pastor. I didn't say that. See we have a high priest that sits at the right hand of God. And he intercedes for you every day, all day long, and he knows our weaknesses and he understands where we're at. But if you don't have any communion with him through agency of the Holy Spirit, you're lost. And you're not lost, you've been found, but you need to know what you've been saved from and now what you've been saved to. And the only way that that's defined is through the book. It's the instruction manual on how to live and how to get through your life. Man, I've got a six-year-old that understands the word. Don't tell me you're too young. No, it says, man, It says, let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. Show yourself responsible, faithful, in word. In word. In word. What does that mean? Show yourself faithful and going after God on your knees when no one's looking. Not with your youth group. Not just then. No. It's about you. Who are you when no one is looking? Because God is always looking. He sees you. You know what he said? In order for a young man to cleanse his ways, how shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to his word. How shall we do it? By knowing what the Bible says. How can you know the difference between good and evil unless you know what is good? You'll compromise your life and you'll step in here and step in here. And right now, like your hearts are clean. Like last night was a cleansing. It's amazing. He's just good. He cleanses us. Boom. whole way through. We wake up in the morning. Whoa! Wow! But all of a sudden you go out of the conference because it's only for today, then you're going to go back into the world. And you go back in and you got the same friends that you hung out with before. You might have a girlfriend back home or a boyfriend back home. You might even have texted them and said, look, everything's going to change, okay? But then you get back there. And then all of a sudden, since your temptation issue hasn't been solved because you haven't you haven't dove into the truth because you have to continue. A disciple continues in the word. We have to study the truth. We study the truth and rightly divide the word of truth, showing our self-approved, not preaching our self-approved, not confessing our self-approved. We study and we show, we demonstrate what it's like to be approved by God. God wants to teach you. He wants to train you. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe the Bible is really hard for you to read. I guarantee you that if right now you start to pick that up and say, God, just like this. Just, just get into the Word. Just say, God, I have no idea what this means. I need help. And then you start reading. God, I, I don't have a clue. What does this mean, God? You have to, you have to help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Just I got up at 6 in the morning, I go into the other room, I'm like, God, I have no idea. Please help me. I've been a Christian 13 years, I've been going after Jesus for 13 years, every day, every day of my life, every day, all day. Doesn't matter what time of day it is, man, I'm focused and, and fixed on the truth. When I first got saved, I had scriptures all around my trailer. I'm not kidding. I had big construction papers all around my house. Why? Because I got to know the word. I got to know. I go by, oh my gosh, man, this is a guy that never read a book before. This is a guy that's brain was so fried that I never read before. I couldn't read. I couldn't focus. My brain would go, I'd be reading and my mind would still go, but my, I mean, my eyes would still go, but my brain was somewhere else. I'd even turn pages and still do it. You ever have that happen? Did you ever drive somewhere and not even realize, like, oh my gosh, how'd I get here? That's how my whole life was. So i never read a book before. So when I went to Team Challenge, I'm in the prayer room, and I'm crying out to God, God, I have no idea what any of this means. And if you don't show me, I'm going to be the same as I was. I realized that I surrendered. I realized he saved my life. I realized I got shot at, and he saved me. But if I don't find out what this book says, I can never be, and I couldn't read, so what am I going to do? I found a scripture in James about wisdom, and I said, God, I don't have any wisdom. I'm wisdomless. I literally cried out and said, I'm wisdomless. You can be book smart and book smart as you want to be. You can be brilliant in school. You can be brilliant in physics and science, and is physics science? You, You can be brilliant at all of it. You can, you can be a whiz with numbers, and open the Bible and be like, phew, and trust your pastor to teach you. That's demonic. Not your pastor, you trusting someone else to teach you. Let me tell you about this, man. This is so crazy. You know what an infant is, you know what a baby is, right? Now when you give a baby a bottle of milk, it satisfies that baby. But when that baby sucks on his thumb or a pacifier, he doesn't get any nutrients. And you can't afford to be thumb sucking Christians anymore. Don't do it. Don't play with this thing, man. Don't let this just be another conference. Dive in. Dare to dive in. Dare to be hungry and say, I'm not an orphan anymore. I'm a child of God. Now since the manual right here is in front of me, this is the only instruction manual on how this new creation works. I'm going to dive in here, and I'm going to ask God to reveal to me who I really am. Will the real you please step forward? The real you. The real you. And that's what God wants. He wants the real you to step forward. How many of you, your hearts are burning right now? Just got like, your hearts are warm right now. Jesus wants to light your whole body on fire. like your whole life on fire. So I got saved, and I, I, all of a sudden, the Bible started to open up, just little bits. I, I couldn't explain it. But that day, the Bible went, boop, just a little bit. And I went, oh, my God. That was awesome. And, and, and some, I remember someone, I'm like reading that day at Teen Challenge, and someone said, what? I go, I don't know. But it's amazing. What are you talking about? Well, I, I don't know. And I couldn't explain it at all. It's not about you explaining it. The bread has to bake in the oven before it's finished. So all of a sudden the truth starts to bake in here, and people can smell it. (laughs) Something's cooking. They can, they won't say that, but they can tell something's different, because when they look in your eyes, your lamp is clear. Your heart can take you places that your brain can never, ever, ever squeeze through. The Bible's not meant for your brain, it's meant for your heart. God wants to take you and make you one that understands. He wants to make you one that actually can get revelation straight from God. You are meant to desire the pure milk of the word. And then as you grow, you'll desire strong meat. And strong meat is better. How many of you like steak? Sorry vegetarians. I like vegetables too, right beside my steak. I love it. I do. I need meat. I need milk. You will not grow. I just, I want to try to just impart some stuff so that, like, it can help you. I want to inspire you that you can be the best that you can be. God only made one you. You are created to be the best you that God created. He's created you to be just like Him, to be an imitator of God. To be an imitator of God, dear children, and walk in love even as Christ loved us. You are to walk as an imitator of God. A lot of people think it's blasphemy they just don't read their Bible. The Bible says that you are to imitate God. You're to imitate God. You're to walk in love. How can you walk in love if you still get offended by people? What would it be like, man? What would it be like? See, in thirteen years, people told me that I can't preach this, that you can't just talk like that, and you're going to get hurt. You're wrong. I'm not going to get hurt. I will hurt four people. I will not be hurt by people. Do you think that God gets hurt by us? Do you think that love gets hurt? Do you think that God says, I love you, come on, do you love me? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say, I love you, do you love me? He says, I love you, and he gave. God didn't say, I love you, come on, say it, but yet we grow up that way. Boyfriends, girlfriends, come on, I told you three times, you didn't even tell me one time. Now I'm tired of saying it. And we need that appreciation. That's demonic. Because you didn't say you love them because you love them. You said you love them so you could get what they're going to say back. It's called selfish. I'm not saying it's wrong to tell somebody you love them back. I'm telling you that if your need is just to hear it back, you need to be nurtured by your father. Because God wants to establish relationship with you, and he wants you to know that you're accepted in the beloved. And when you're accepted by God, you can never be rejected again. You can't reject this. God accepted me. How can you take away what you never gave me? How can you take this from me? No, greater love has no one than this, that that I, I would lay my life down for you. That's great love. Greater love, greater love has no one than this. Just like Jesus laid his life down for us. Man, that seed that fell to the ground it reproduced it. All of us, Jesus created the way for many Christians to walk this earth and destroy hell for a living. That the devil can't stop it. He can't do anything except whisper his lies to you and to get your mind fixed on things beneath instead of things above. The devil can't do anything. He's a withering branch. I heard Bill say that one day and I went, that's mine. (laughs) He's a withering branch as we speak. And I thought that's great because I'm, I'm like. I'm like a branch and I'm hooked to the vine and, and like the same sap that's in the vine is in the branch and I'm producing fruit unto the Lord and it's so good. Man, you don't go out there in a vineyard or out there in an apple orchard and see apple trees going, come on, okay, what kind of tree am I? Come on apples, come on, apples, yes, I'm an apple tree, wow, I am an apple, no, an apple tree. An apple tree produces apple fruit. Each tree produces the same kind of fruit that that tree is. And you are a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And you've got to see where your root system goes down deep into. You have to let your roots go down into the love of God. Your roots are meant to suck up nutrients from the Father. And then all of a sudden in your tree, it's full of Jesus sap. And then your fruit, it actually says righteousness, produces its fruit unto holiness. Wow! And then you don't have to try to like sell your fruit to your family or your schoolmates anymore. Just let them pick it. And they'll get wrecked. Come on, it's God's good pleasure that we bear much fruit and that our fruit remains. In the fruit is the seed. The other day I was out with my kids and we were looking at a... We are looking at an acorn, you know, because I have this squirrel in my backyard. It's like, it's a crazy squirrel, man. My dogs go to the bottom of the tree. Is he crazy? He takes acorns and throws them at my dogs. I'm not kidding. He hits my dogs with acorns. And they freak out. I had to put a fence around the tree so that they'd be like six foot away from the, from the thing because they're digging holes trying to tear the tree down. And I got labradoodles, so it doesn't make sense, they're not vicious, they're just tired of getting hit with nuts by a squirrel. (laughs) But I picked up one of those acorns, and I looked at my little daughter, my little daughter Zoe, my 11-year-old. I go, hey, honey. I said, you see that tree? She goes, yeah, we're looking at all the acorns on it. I said, how many, how many trees are in this? She goes, wow, dad, a forest. I said, you got it. (laughs) In that one acorn, it's a forest. It's a never-ending supply, and you carry seed, but you have to know what kind of tree you are, or you're not going to bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. And sometimes, sometimes as a tree, we're bearing like not as much fruit as we can. So God's like, that one has to go. So that branch gets, and all of a sudden that's like, that's not. That's not cool. I'm missing a branch now. It's called being pruned by God. Pruning is amazing. It is. Because, look, I used to grow weeds, so I did. How many of you ever had a garden, anybody help with gardens before? Right? Sorry, but I did. That's my only growing knowledge, okay? But when a tree, I did. Now I grow peppers and tomatoes. That's it. I do. I love hot peppers, man. The hotter the better. I love ghost chilies and scorpion chilies, all of them. People are like, "Oh no!" "Oh yeah!" My wife's she doesn't. She's Bill loves it too. But I make chocolate with like the hottest peppers in the world. People come over, they're like, "Ah, do you want to try a piece of chocolate?" (laughs) Now it's got a little bit of peppers in it, so is it really hot? Oh, it's hot. Well, it can't be that hot. Okay, try. All of a sudden. Boy, that's really hot. Have something to drink? It isn't gonna help. Try. Okay, sorry. I love hot stuff. Come on, I do. I see my wife's telling stories about people on the floor. Ah! I just like hot stuff. I tell people, it's not like I lie, just have this. No, it's good. No. I don't put it out. I wanna put it out on the table for like Easter. Because I don't think people should live on candy. So give that to kids for Halloween. Just kidding. Don't ever do that. Just kidding. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just having fun. So listen, when you have a tomato plant or a pepper plant or whatever you're growing, when you clip that thing, two grow out, right? So what happens is the more you prune something, the more, the more places to bear fruit there are. So here's the deal. You can either be a really tall tree that has a little bit of fruit, or you can be a short bushy tree that has a lot of fruit. I personally would love to be a short bushy tree that bears much fruit. So I have opened myself up to the pruning of the Lord. What does that look like? That looks like when I dive into the truth of the Word and what God says. If something in my life doesn't bear witness of what the Word says, then I ask God to clip this thing. And I constantly focus on the very thing that needs to go on a constant basis, and this has been my life. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not, they're not worldly, it's not punching and, and with swords and guns, it's not, world, it's not worldly, it is not fleshly, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 4. Are mighty in God. It says that they're divine, divine weapons. Our divine weapons that we have is the truth of God's word. And what it does is when you put it in, Hebrews 4, 12 says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide and separate the soul from the spirit. So your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, the first place that God's causes division to come is through your new, born-again, regenerate spirit which feeds on the the bread of God. It needs to feed on the Word. So your spirit man inside needs to grow in the Word. Your heart gets filled with truth. So your soul, the way that seems right to a man, gets separated from your heart. And all of a sudden God starts to train your heart, and your heart and your brain flip-flop. Then you start to lead with your heart, and then God renews your mind. And then your heart and your mind are one, and you develop the mind of Christ, and you start to think from heaven. But if you don't spend time in the Word, you become a Christian that has all the ability to change the world, but you're still thinking demonically because you haven't filled your soul with truth. It's healthy. Man, if I were you, if I were you, I would commit myself to going after the truth. And people are like, well, I've been in the Word a long time. I mean, I grew up this way. I grew up in church. I have so much Word in me. Amazing. People look at my life and say, well, you're lucky you came in this way because I grew up in church. I have a lot to unlearn. Well, I've got great news for you. Your brain can't unlearn. Your brain is meant to learn. God gave you a mind so that you can learn. But he didn't give you a mind so that your mind become God outside of his word and his truth. So here's the deal. People grow up in church, they have so many scriptures, they have legalism, they have it all, all the stuff and and they're like all this, and it's like, it's, it's just legal to them. It's just these words that I'm saying. It's like, I grew up this way. I already know this stuff. No, you don't. Because if you knew this stuff, you would walk spirit-filled, and you would walk breathe, breathing fire every day of your life. People are like, well, i got a lot to unlearn. Well, you can't unlearn anything. You have to be renewed. God wants to breathe upon what you know, and here's what it looks like. Father, I, I have all this stuff inside of me, and there's a man that came, and he spoke at the conference. I never heard anything like it. Just ridiculous. Had dreads. Crazy. I don't even know what happened to me, but I feel like scrambled eggs. And I have all these words inside of me and all the word, the Bible. We kept hitting the Bible, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. And it's crazy. I have all this word in me and I've been taught my whole life. And this is what you do. You say, God, I've never asked you to, but would you please breathe upon what I know? Oh, God, would you let your presence just breathe upon the truth that's been poured into me? Because all these years, I've had all this truth poured into me, and God, it's been legalism, and it's been something where it's not right. But God, it's your word. It wasn't that pastor's word or that parent's word. It was your word that they put in me. So since it's in me already, can you please breathe upon what I have? And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will create in you a fire of truth, and you will become a wealth source of information everywhere you go, and you will, you will have the word everywhere you go. Because that's what I do. It says some sow some water. Here's what I do. I walk around. I feel, my heart's filled with truth. I was, I was, I got three hours with Jesus, and then when I came, I, had a, I got another forty minutes with him. Here, it's so good. Oh, you don't? It's just amazing. Ah! He just loves me. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, people say, "Hey, how you doing?" Good. How are you? That's the word. If I have a machine gun seed thrower. I don't play. Don't just toss a one or two. No. I fill myself with truth. Like, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great. What you don't know is that I've saturated this whole time period and last night too, with the truth of the word. And God's word is life. And his words in my mouth are the same as his words through Jesus' mouth. When you see that, when you see it, when the word becomes rain, I am not trying to quote that I'm jesus okay but i am a christian and i am burning with the revelation inside of me the revelation of redemption the revelation of righteousness the revelation of purity and power together as one the two are never to be separated purity and power power and purity holiness is not something that is dangerous except to the devil it doesn't say do holy as he is holy and the one who said be holy as he is holy was Peter. A lot of people are like, "Why?" Well, you know what? I can relate to Peter. Well, which one? Which Peter do you relate to? The one before he got saved or after? Because in the Gospels, he was a Peter that wasn't saved. He wasn't saved. He wasn't born again until Jesus was crucified and resurrected. But the Peter after Jesus was saved. After I mean, after he got saved. Yeah, after Jesus had risen from the grave, and the Holy Ghost got poured out, he changed to into a different man. And there wasn't any more foot and mouth disease. So stop relating to an unregenerated, unborn again man, and start relating to the reality of who Peter was when he was filled with the Spirit, possessed by truth, to where he went and his shadow healed people. That's the Peter you want to relate to, and that's the one that was baptized in glory. You guys all right? Kind of? A little? All right. I got seven minutes. Time's not on my side. (sighs) Help, Jesus. Please. Okay. All right. So you can either fear man or fear God. You can't do both. Fearing God isn't being petrified of God. Fearing God is being so in love with the one that saved you. Fear of God comes from the goodness of God, and the mercy of God, and the kindness of God, and His gentleness and His meekness. The fear of God comes from this. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and exhausted, and work to exhausted. Come to me, and I will give you rest. All of a sudden, no more shackles, no more chains. That's just that born again altar call where we're like, yes! now." That is essential, but it's to unlock this potential. Then it says, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your soul. So now we get rest from Jesus when we say yes to Him. But then we have soul rest, that's internal rest, that's where the blood of Jesus has washed you clean and you start to renew your mind that is the soul that, is, that was created by God to learn and understand His word and to be educated in the truth that sets you free, possessed by the truth, and He starts to paint on the blank canvas of your soul. And he starts to train you in who he is, and all of a sudden, the miraculous is the byproduct of sonship because the spirit of adoption has hit you, and all of a sudden, miracles are happening everywhere, and people are like, "Wow, that was amazing! Oh man, thank you so much! Like, it's so crazy that God's doing that stuff. He's amazing. He loves us." Last night, I went into a restaurant, and uh, after we left here, and uh, I was going to get me some eggs, and so we went into the restaurant, and it was really cool. And then I found out that there was a a bunch of youth that came into the restaurant? A bunch. And, and people, and, and... But I walked in, and the, the waiter looks at me, and he goes, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe this. I, I can't believe you're here. I go, hey man, it's nice to see you. He goes, hey, oh, okay, how many of you in your party? And my wife, it's so funny, so amazing, didn't start like this, but it is now. Because she wouldn't even go in public with me for nine months. Because I was an embarrassment. See, I was lost my whole life, and I couldn't stand being lost. So when I got found, I found out what I got found to, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing." And then I saw that miracles were today, for today, and I went, "Oh, no way, you got to be kidding me. This is." For all I knew is that I was free. My sin was gone. I have no regret, no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. I'm free. The blood of Jesus literally washed me. Claimed he did the same for all of you. You just need to believe the truth. If you don't continue in the truth of God's word, Satan will whisper to you and bring you right back under condemnation. In a heartbeat. That's his goal. It says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Then it says, Blessed are those that are persecuted for the very thing they hungered and thirsted for. <laughs> because righteousness is what the devil's after you, never seeing. He never wants you to see that you've been made right with God. Because God brought you back to being right with Him. Jesus paid full penalty for your sin, He washed it all away, and when God sees you, He sees you as if you never ate the tree. Oh, and when you see that, you start to bear fruit unto righteousness, and you start to destroy hell everywhere you go. But the first place that hell gets destroyed is in your thinking. He destroys hellish thinking, and when the devil tries to whisper, it's set up. Boom! Truth sets itself up here, and your soul is occupied. And there's a no vacancy sign on your forehead. And when the devil whispers, oh, no room at the end. Sorry. And he's so exposed. But if you don't dive into the truth, this doesn't take 13 years. It took me like a, just a, a very short time. But I spent my time on my face with Jesus in the Bible, saying, "You got to tell. You got to tell me. You got to teach me." When I started to pray for people, it didn't go over well with my wife. But now it's amazing. I don't have time to do it, but I'm going to share from last night. So we go to the table. We're sitting down, and, and uh, a lady and her husband are there. They came for the healing rooms tomorrow, but they're like, oh my gosh, is it going to bother you if I get a picture? I'm like, absolutely not. So we do a picture and pray for her to be completely healed of this thing that she's dealing with. And then I go and sit down again, and he comes over to take our order. And then all of a sudden there's other kids coming up, Hey, I just want to say, and there's another Bethel student over here, Hey, I just want to say thank you, I just, I don't want to bother you, but can I just get a picture and say thank you, you changed my life. I'm like, oh, that's oh, awesome, hey, bless you, awesome. None of this goes to my head. Because it's all coming through a training, just like I'm teaching right now. The truth of identity, it just annihilates the lies, and all of a sudden you can be free. You get free from you. It's awesome. So then, finally, a youth group comes in, a young man comes up to me, he goes, Mr. White? I go, yeah. He goes, is it okay if I prophesy over you? I said, bring it. So he comes over and he, and he shares and I'm like, man, that was awesome. Thank you so much. It's so cool. It's awesome. So like, so they go over and they're sitting in, and then a, and the lady comes over and she goes, hey, can I get this? Yeah, sure, no problem, we're praying. And then the waiter, because my wife looks at me, and she goes, do you know that like, he was almost in tears when he talked to you, do you know that God's really going to touch him? And immediately I heard a word for him and his wife. Yeah, okay, cool. This is gonna be awesome. And so at the end, after we had so much fun, I saw a lady sitting, or she was helping take dishes down. I didn't know if she was a waitress or whatever, and I went up to her and I said, Hey, I said, You got problems in your back, sciatic nerve damage. She goes, Yeah, actually, it's really bad. I got it. my whole legs numb. I said, Well got pray for you. And Jesus healed her completely. She goes, That's awesome. I said, Are you a waitress? She goes, No, I'm his wife. So it's the very wife. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is this gonna be amazing? It was so good. So I brought him over and I looked at him and I said, man, I said I just need to pray for you, man. And he told me about a drinking issue that he was dealing with and all that stuff. I just held his head just prayed for him and he got radically delivered. Why? He believed all the lies from his past still existed and all that trash was still there and it was all still alive in his life, but really it's dead. So this is a common thread throughout the whole body of Christ, that unfortunately the Jews, they had, they had faith in the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. They had faith in that blood to keep them atoned over for because that's what God had made provision for. He made provision through the animal that when they atoned and sprinkled blood, that on the Day of Atonement they had another year. That they could be free from sins on the outside. They actually put, if you, if you learn like the scapegoat and the, just that they put sin on a goat and, and he went out into the wilderness and then he was devoured by, devoured by wild beasts and stuff. It's all like amazing and I don't need to get into it there, but you need to understand the blood of Jesus does something different. So the Jews had faith for the blood of animals to cleanse over their sin for a year. A lot of the body of Christ has the same faith in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse you externally. The blood of Jesus washes away your sin. Actually the covenant that we're in is their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. That's what God says. So when you come to God and you confess to God, you have to dive in to the reality of what it means to be right with God and what it means for the blood of Jesus to have forgiven you and for God to have forgotten it. And you have to have faith in the finished work of Jesus. Because without it, it's just a slow burn, and the enemy will whisper, and all of a sudden you've got all kinds of trash piled on again. You can still walk in miracles, you can still heal the sick, you can still open the eyes of the blind, you can still raise the dead, you can still open deaf ears. But if your conscience isn't clean, you start to sear it with stuff, and you shipwreck your faith. And it's not shipwrecking your faith to do miracles, it's shipwrecking your faith to have confidence to approach the throne of grace in time of need, and approach your Father and stand in the throne room and talk to your dad. It's all about identity, and identity wipes out everything. And when you see who you're created to be, you will no longer get who you are through your last miracle, to where miracles become, all of a sudden it's the same thing again. We do a miracle, we're okay with God. We do a miracle. No, it's not about doing a miracle and being okay with God. You're okay with God. You're right with God. It's more than okay. You can come boldly to your Father, and He says, come. And all of a sudden you just, God, I'm struggling today. God's not like, really? Are you serious? I didn't see that. Well, I... you caught me off guard this time. But if you don't have a relationship, you don't know that you can do that. And every day, if something's giving me trouble I give all my care it says cast all your cares on God it said be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding all knowledge will guard your heart God puts up God puts his peace in your heart like an umpire and He protects the heart, and He guards your heart from deception, out, safe. Let the peace of God guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then you set your mind on these things. Things that are noble, things that are honorable, things that are uh, amazing. God wants to do that in you. He wants you to walk in the miraculous. But He wants you to know how amazingly powerful that you are. Let no one despise your youth. Rise up guys. And know who you are. Could you stand to your feet? I'm just going to pray for you. Did you get anything out of that? So Jesus, put your hand on your heart. Whichever needs it most. And I'm pretty sure it's your brain. Jesus, just just like me, God, I need you. And I need you to reveal what it means to be your son. I need you to reveal what it means to be your child. God, I want to cry out, Abba, Father, all the time. And Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you cry out, Abba, Father, all the time. And when my cry hits Holy Spirit's cry, they mesh together and become one cry. God, let it be one cry. To where we could cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. God I thank you for all these youth and all their leaders. Father, I ask you to permeate them with relationship, with intimacy. Make their priority coming boldly to the throne room. God make their priority studying the truth that sets them free. God work through them, flow through them. Let miracles be the byproduct of being an amazing daughter or son. Father, I thank you. That You would transform their heart, transform their life. God let them kick away from their cell phones, from Facebook, from gaming, from all the stuff that so becomes an idol. God let them kick in to the truth of what Your Word says and dive into the Word. Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name, Amen.